Welcome to BIV Today, our daily podcast from the newsroom of the Business of Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. If an election were held today, it would be difficult to predict the outcome. So tight are the poll standings between the Liberals and the Conservatives nationally. In the next nine months, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will be trying to make the case that he and his party deserve to win back the government after only one term in opposition. Mr. Scheer has been in British Columbia the last few days. He's our guest now. Good to have you with us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Listen, uh, what do you think you'd offer British Columbia that the Liberals can't or wouldn't? Well, uh, a program and a plan to make life more affordable, to help people get ahead and not just get by. Uh, Everywhere I go, people say their life is getting more expensive and everything from housing to fuel prices to groceries. And they don't feel that this Liberal government uh, is in tune. And it's not surprising because Justin Trudeau uh, clearly doesn't uh, worry about where Canadians are finding the capacity to make ends meet. and uh, But uh, I have a plan that will speak directly to making life more affordable for Canadians. Does that mean tax reduction or expenditure Absolutely. reduction? Yeah. It, it means tax reductions. It means uh, removing regulations that lead to higher costs. I just had a series of meetings with people raising concerns about the housing affordability. And one of the, the, the common themes that came up is that there are so many municipal and provincial regulations that add to the cost of new housing units and add to the length of time for approvals. Uh, so consumers and, and first-time homeowners are paying for those costs. And my commitment is to you, use some of the tools available to the federal government to help uh, streamline those pro- processes, reduce those regulatory burdens and lower costs and, uh, for, for, uh, for home buyers. You've been traveling out here regularly. Um, I want to get a sense from you as the leader, what you've noticed uh, as time has gone on uh, about the change in the tone about the Liberal government and what how things are different now. Well, there's no doubt that right after the 2015 election, uh, people were willing to give Justin Trudeau the benefit of the, of the doubt. And if there was one province that uh, you could sense that in, it was definitely British Columbia. We had lost some of our seats in some areas that had traditionally been conservative. But the difference now is that people see the the cost of the failures of the Trudeau Liberals to, you know, get big energy projects built, to uh, keep taxes low for small and medium sized businesses, uh, to, uh, uh, to to solving the the issue at the border, to the massive deficits leading to higher taxes, and 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 concern about where that increased debt is is going to land, and and a sense that taxpayers are going to have to pay back all that borrowing that's happening today. So there's definitely a a sense of buyer's remorse that Trudeau is not exactly as advertised. And we have a tremendous opportunity now as Conservatives to make our pitch and and win over the support of the people of this province. You obviously have seats across the province, uh, particularly in some of the surrounding communities in the Fraser Valley and so on. But you don't have a seat in Vancouver. What, What opportunity is there here for the Conservatives, do you think? Well, I, there's two things there. I mentioned housing afford, affordability, and, and that is something that we are going to be speaking to more and more. Uh, the economy in Vancouver is, is very strong. Unemployment is very low. Uh, but uh, many young people who are graduating from colleges and universities uh, can't afford to live anywhere near some of the jobs that they'd like to fill. And uh, there's a real sense of frustration over that. So we're going to be speaking to that. That, I believe, will resonate uh, very strongly, and not just with young Canadians, but you know, p- people of all different ages and demographics who, who who want to be able to live in such a dynamic uh, city. 
Uh, and in addition, we have a particular message to groups of new Canadians. Of course, the greater Vancouver region is one of the most ethnically diverse in, in the country. And groups of new Canadians, people who have come here illegally over the past uh, few decades, there's a real sense of, of frustration about what's going on at the border, that there are significant delays in terms of being uh, reunited with a, a loved one, in terms of having uh, immigration applications uh, approved, as more and more resources are going to process those who cross into Canada illegally and those who just want to jump the queue and skip the line. So uh, support for a fair, balanced and compassionate immigration system is resonating very strongly uh, throughout the Vancouver area. You mentioned, uh, of course, the uh, the attempt to, to try to deal with the fact that a lot of young people are finding this a very unaffordable place. And there was a lot of momentum this week locally, as you probably know, around building a subway line much more extensively right across the city, all the way over to U- University of British Columbia. Do you, um, in principle, do you think that that's a worthwhile project? Well, I, su- I support the ability for local municipal officials to make these types of determinations. You wouldn't want to have a government in Ottawa that uh, made decisions at the local level. So our, our plans and our infrastructure plans have always acknowledged the important role that mayors and council and provincial governments play in terms of picking which route to uh, to follow in terms of uh, making the choice between, say, a subway or an LRT or expanded bus service. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want bureaucrats in Ottawa to make those decisions for the people of Vancouver. But what I will say is that we will be there to support these types of big projects uh, once those decisions are made. We will be partners in that. Uh, it, it leads to uh, increased quality of life when we can shorten commute times, make it easier for people to move around the city. And, uh, and that's a mix. That's a mix of mass transit, public transit. We also have to look at how we can improve vehicular traffic as well. Uh, many people uh, you know, are, are rely on cars, and, and, and that has to be part of a balanced approach as well. I will point out, though, that the Liberal government promised to increase investment in uh, infrastructure. And in fact, the dollars aren't flowing. And every report that's come out of Ottawa from the parliamentary budget officer has indicated that there's a real uh, gap and a real delay in money leaving Ottawa and actually getting to the shovels in the ground. And that was the reason why Trudeau was going to run deficits, was for increased infrastructure spending. We're really getting the, the worst of both worlds, massive deficits uh, without the projects to show for them. The Parliamentary Budget Office also this week has suggested that the Liberals may have overpaid for the Trans Mountain Pipeline project, yet the project may still be in federal hands after an election. How would, how would you prefer to disperse, disperse it? Well, you're absolutely right. You know, we find out this week from the parliamentary budget officer that uh, Trudeau paid full sticker price for a pipeline that he can't build. And this is really confusing to me because you would think that uh, the federal government would have been in a strong bargaining position to negotiate a price from a group of investors that were desperate to pull out of the Canadian economy. Uh, what we will face in October after, uh, after forming government is a dynamic where there just isn't confidence in the energy sector. My plan will be to rebuild that confidence with a comprehensive plan, including passing federal legislation to protect federal jurisdiction, to get First Nations consultations done right by improving that process, and ending foreign funding from the uh, appeals process. Once that confidence is restored, I, I am confident that the federal government then could sell the Trans Mountain project to back to the private sector uh, where it belongs. 
you of course have to fight the liberals most formidably, but you also have the defection of Maxime Bernier from your party to create his own. What do you think you have to persuade Canadians about him and his People's Party to prevent an exodus of conservatives to his camp? Well, we're not seeing any evidence of an exodus uh, at all. And uh, the people I talk to realize that uh, politics is about working together to find common ground, not to support one person's personal uh, ego or uh, one person's vanity project. Uh, the Conservative Party of Canada uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a party that represents all different kinds of Canadians. Uh, we are the ones that are fighting for lower taxes, for increased freedom, individual liberty, uh, a more dynamic private sector, a strong uh, border policy that protects Canada's ability to manage our own immigration system. And we are the only party that can defeat Justin Trudeau. So for those Canadians who are frustrated with Trudeau's failures and want to see real principled leadership, it's the Conservative Party that offers that. And everywhere I go, people realize that and they are uh, excited to work with our party to win in the next election. How do you make sure that any weakening of the NDP vote helps you more than the Liberals? And this is one of the more frustrating things. Uh, you know, the, the NDP haven't, haven't been able to really uh, put forward a, a compelling message, and, and, that, and that does lead to extra challenges for, for us in some areas. However, it also presents opportunities because so many people are coming up to me across the country, especially here in British Columbia, though, and saying, you know, I, I used to vote Liberal, but the Liberal Party really has left me and and doesn't re- represent my values anymore. And as the as Trudeau takes the Liberal Party so far to the left, really to make the NDP irrelevant, we're seeing of what we would call a lot of what we would call blue liberals, centrist liberals who want to see strong principled foreign policy, want to see prudent financial management. They're now coming to our party saying the the NDP as the Liberals are no longer a party I recognize. I'm more comfortable in the Conservative Party now, and they're coming out to our events, they're working on our campaigns, they're even joining our caucus. We had a Liberal Member of Parliament leave the Liberal caucus and come join ours precisely for that reason, and I expect to see more and more of that across the country. Two things before we close, because uh, I know you're, you're pressed for time. One, of course, is the uh, the extradition process uh, with Meng Wanzhou, the Huawei executive here, which is a very big issue locally. Um, how do you see this playing forward? This is a very uh, sensitive time with our relationship with China, and it calls for just the utmost of seriousness. And uh, one of the things that scares me is that we have a prime minister that has never really been serious on the world stage. You know, he clowned around in India, uh, got in a Twitter war with Saudi Arabia, angered our partners in Japan and Australia. And now we have a situation where our ambassador, the Canadian ambassador to China, was allowed to speak for four days with conflicting messages and, and undermining our independent judicial process. I called on Justin Trudeau to fire John McCallum immediately. Uh, he showed great weakness by waiting so long, and now we're in a very difficult position. But it's essential that we preserve the principle that we do not live in a country where the prime minister can pick up the phone and affect an independent RCMP investigation. Uh, and so that that is whatever diplomatic messages are being sent back and forth. That is something that we need to preserve, not just for our international allies to understand how our system works here, but so that Canadians can have confidence in our justice system. Do you believe that you would be a tougher voice on China? Absolutely. You know, we had Justin Trudeau famously said that he admires the basic dictatorship of China. 
He went to China desperate to get a free trade deal and was rebuffed in his efforts. I believe that the Chinese have seen the way Trudeau has carried himself in India, how he had to back down to Donald Trump uh, so many times during the NAFTA negotiations. And I don't believe that they, uh, they, they take him seriously. Last question, Mr. Shearer. I think you've been, uh, you've been leader now around a thousand days um, in this party. And um, I, asked, uh, I, I usually ask someone what you think you've learned most in all of this. How, how do you think you've changed in the time that you've had the job? Uh, I've definitely learned more about this country. Getting sure. to visit so many different regions, you, you, you learn some of the unique challenges and you might think you know a thing or two about British Columbia, but then you, every time I come back here, I, I learn something different about the history, about the culture, about uh, some of the unique challenges. Uh, also learned a lot about myself, about uh, uh, what it takes to be a team and to keep people focused on an objective and everything from more you know more effective time management to making sure that we're maximizing people's talents so uh, i i absolutely recognize that i've grown a lot in, in those areas and look forward to continuing uh, along right up not just until the next election but through it and beyond so there's a lot you've learned about yourself you think absolutely yeah you know i i had uh, served as speaker of the house of commons which is a a nonpartisan role you know focused on working with people of all different parties and uh, being put into this leadership position is is a, a much bigger challenge. It, it involves driving a huge team of, 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 of campaign workers and party support staff and, and my caucus colleagues from all different regions and uh, developing the, the, the tools and the skills and the techniques needed to keep such a, a dynamic team, not just together, but also focused and productive. That's something I've, I've definitely uh, learned about myself and developed some extra uh, skills. Yeah, uh, you you mentioned your uh, your preceding job as speaker. You must have some sympathy for what you're witnessing in British Columbia. <laughs> I do. You know, I, when when I saw the results of the last election, I thought to myself, "There's going to be an incredible pressure on whoever is elected speaker." Uh, and of course, it played out in a in a way that many British Columbians did not expect. And uh, now with the, the the news that's coming out of the legislature, I, I, I understand that it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult position for any speaker to be in. It's a, it's, you don't work as a team with cabinet colleagues. You don't have a, a party apparatus behind you. You have to make decisions uh, on your own and, and see them through. So uh, I wouldn't want to wade in on uh, all the issues that are going on at the provincial level, but it is something that um, it, it is uh, certainly... I, I could certainly uh, understand some of the challenges that uh, the Speaker of the BC Legislature is dealing with right now. You're being diplomatic. Do you think he's doing a decent job? You know, I would never uh, comment on, on uh, that. I would leave it oh, to, uh, I, I, I thought I had you there. I thought I, I thought I had you ready to do it. <laughs> no. All right. Andrew Shear, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Andrew Shear, of course, is the leader of the Conservative Party in Canada. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening to BIB today. We'll see you next time.